Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. From his prison cell in Rome, the Apostle Paul wrote stirring words to the saints in Philippi. Even now Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. And then again, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Was Paul speaking matters of doctrine and theology for our future study and contemplation, or was this the living reality of a genuine witness of Christ? Welcome to our final program of the Life Study of Acts, a program you will surely not want to miss. The Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee is furnished by Living Stream and based on the ministry of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee was a gifted student of remarkable human talent and potential, Yet he became a living sacrifice for his dear Lord Jesus in China. Witness Lee joined him in this sacrifice as these two were greatly used of God for the establishment of his New Testament economy throughout mainland China. In anticipation of Watchman Nee's imprisonment, Witness Lee was first sent to Taiwan and then ultimately came to the West to continue this significant ministry of life. We have portions today of Witness Lee's final message from the Book of Acts spoken in 1985. We're grateful that Ron Kankas has taken time to join us for this final program on the Book of Acts. Ron, these uh, concluding programs are always very special, and I feel each time that we conclude a book, we've really traveled on an incredible journey. I don't want to be overly sentimental, but these life studies do inspire an awesome appreciation of the Word of God, don't they? Our appreciation of the Word of God is not only a reaction to the proper exposition of the word, but it's also an expression of the kind of person we are in our pursuing of the Lord and of our seeking of the Lord in and through his word. No study of the word can replace the word itself, but this study is a marvelous key to open up the riches in the book of Acts, and for this we should be thankful and we should humble ourselves before the Lord and before his word and use this precious key to open the scriptures again and again to behold marvelous things written there for our perfecting and our building up. Ron, these verses that uh, I mentioned briefly in the introduction uh, from Philippians chapter 1, uh, it seems plausible that Paul was referring at least in part to what he experienced in these last couple of chapters in the book of Acts, doesn't it? Give us a little recap, if you would, of Paul's experiences in the final pages of this book. The book of Philippians didn't just come from nowhere. When Paul speaks about living Christ and magnifying Christ, and when he speaks later in that book of having learned the secret, 
This indicates there must have been a time where he learned these things. There must have been many circumstances when he experienced these things. So if we go backwards from Philippians 1 to the few years that preceded it, we can say it's likely that Paul's experience in going to Jerusalem, in being involved in the riot, in being placed in protective custody, in being detained in Caesarea Philippi, in making a long and arduous journey to Rome, surely in all these things, Paul was what he wrote about in Philippians 1. He magnified Christ in his body, whether that body was in custody, whether that body was in a ship, whether that body was in the water, whether that body was on the shore, whether that body was under house arrest in Rome, wherever that body was, Christ was magnified in it. So Paul did not write a theory. He gave a testimony, pure and genuine, of his being one spirit with the Lord, of his being supplied by the bountiful spirit of Jesus Christ through the body, and of his denying himself so that Christ could be expressed, lived out, magnified in his mortal body. What a pattern for the sincere seekers of Christ today. Well, Ron, today we have three portions of Witness Lee's spoken message, this last one in the book of Acts given in 1985, and I think maybe we should point out to our listeners, this was not one of the typical training meetings, but just a more informal fellowship, so they'll notice a different quality to the recording. But he would occasionally, or oft times, especially in the later years, give this kind of fellowship, and I think you were likely in this meeting, Ron. I was, and let's call it an overflow. Uh, we had several days devoted to the life study of Acts, but this fellowship was given not in a ministry meeting, but in a Lord's Table meeting after the remembrance of the Lord and the worship of the Father. During a time of fellowship, our brother shared these words, and that may account, actually it does account, for the quality of the message. But the words themselves are so laden with spiritual wealth, it's really worthwhile to exercise and to concentrate to hear what our brother is saying to us in this precious fellowship. Let's join Witness Lee for this portion. Acts has altogether 28 chapters, and the last two chapters show us nothing of doctrine, just a record of a man in his saving. Here is a person living Christ to the uttermost. He was imprisoned in chains with the guards around him, and the stormy sea was there, and the ceiling was altogether raw. He was in that kind of situation. Yet, look at him. He lived just as a reigning king. This reminds me that later on, when he got into Rome, in the imprisonment, he wrote Philippians. He said, whatever happened to me through your prayer and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out 
to be my salvation. Regardless, in life or in dice, I magnify Christ in my body. I do believe that word was a testimony of the time when he was there in the voyage. He was there regardless what was the situation. He magnified Christ in his physical body. This is the top witness in all humankind history of Christ. And this witness was predicted in chapter 1, verse 8. Be my witness unto me. Well, all should be like that. If we could only leave Christ in a uh, good situation, according to our culture, according to our constitution, disposition, and so forth, I tell you, that's not real. But here's one living in a rural situation. Everything, apparently, physically speaking, disappointing, discouraging. But he lived a life of the highest standard. Just like the one who lived in the four Gospels. This was Jesus living again. This was Jesus repeating his life on this earth. I just cannot forget the four epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Hebrews. If Paul tried to write these four epistles, I don't believe he could write them so thoroughly without all these happenings from chapter 15 through all the second half of the book. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, Christ abolished all the ordinances of the law. I believe when in the custody at Caesarea for two years, while he was reviewing all the things, he would say, my if another time comes, I'll write a book more thorough than what I wrote in Galatians. He would say, all the ordinances, especially circumcision, abolished. If I'm going to rewrite it, I will tell people concerning circumcision that has been abolished. In Ephesians, he was too strong leaving no ground for people to talk about circumcision again. Okay, come to Philippians. Paul, in writing Philippians, he said, Beware of dogs. All those who promote circumcision are dogs. Very strong. Then, in Philippians 3, the two letters, they are ministering you dog food. My, these three words. Do you think he would use these three words when he was writing Galatians? Romans? In Romans, he was not that strong. He said, what? The real circumcision is in the heart. But in Philippians, that is not circumcision, that is concision. Whosoever promoted that is a dog. 
Whatever the dog ministers is the dog food. You got a lot of improvement from Galatians to Ephesians and Philippians. Ron has mentioned this is our final program on the book of Acts, and I think it's fitting if we would return to chapter 1 and verse 8, which we've touched a few times now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. We've had a couple of marvelous programs dealing with this matter of what it is, Ron, to be a witness. From the account in these final chapters, Paul really fits the definition of witness, doesn't he? He surely does. He had direct, personal, continual contact with the Lord. He had a first-hand experiential knowledge of the Lord. He was one with the Lord. So he was a living witness of the Lord. If you wanted to know what the Lord was like, you contact this witness. If you want to hear a reliable testimony, you would contact such a witness. This is what the Lord wants, not mere preachers and teachers, although we surely do not despise the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the word. What the Lord needs is persons for whom Christ is everything, who know him, who love him, who are one with him, and who express him in their daily living, these are the living witnesses, and these are those who carry out the propagation of the resurrected Christ. And again, let me point out that we have an audio tape that today is uh, maybe not quite up to the standard that most of these messages from the Book of Acts have been, but it's certainly worthwhile. Let's again rejoin Witness Lee. He got to be so clear, so thorough when he was there in the custody. Okay, then let's come to Hebrews. Hebrew was written after Roman imprisonment. You could see in Hebrew, he had advanced further. It seems that he might have said to himself, Man, why you wrote Ephesians that short? Just one verse telling people Christ in this flesh has abolished all ordinances. You have to go into detail, tell the people. Why you wrote so, so, so short in Philippians? Why you wrote so short also in Colossians? Then he was prepared to write a long epistle, 13 chapters. In these 13 chapters, he gave the details to depreciate Judaism to the uttermost. He used 13 chapters to cut, to cut, to cut, to cut every crucial point of Judaism in the pieces. What Judaism had? God? Okay. Their God is not up to date. Our God, Jesus Christ, the very God of man, is up to date. Amen. Amen. Angels? What angels? Angels, they just are servants. Serving us. Adam, after Adam, he just put Moses down under his feet. He nearly burned all the laws. So, in the entire Hebrew, he cut all the points, the crucial things of Judaism, into pieces. 
Ron, give us some examples of how what Paul experienced in this interval between his writing of Galatians uh, and Romans differed or influenced what later came out in the books that we've talked about, such as Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Hebrews. Paul was strong in Galatians, and he was emphatic and clear and persuasive in Romans. But after some more experiences, after seeing the situation in Jerusalem, after a time of reflection in his cell there in Caesarea, after his long sojourn with considerable hardship, when Paul is writing now, it's stronger, it's more thorough. So in Ephesians 2, Paul shows us that when our Lord died on the cross, all the ordinances were terminated and the enmity incited by them was brought to an end. This is stronger than saying, well, neither circumcision matters nor uncircumcision, but a new creation is what matters. Now Paul is saying, there is no circumcision. There are no ordinances. All the ordinances of the law are gone. Then in um, Philippians, we have a contrast, again with Galatians. In Galatians 2, Paul speaks of false brothers who came in to spy out the freedom which we have in Christ. But in Philippians 3, Paul talks about evil workers, dogs, and he uses quite a strong derogatory term, concision. Instead of saying, beware of false brothers, he says, brothers, beware of the dogs, and these dogs are the evil workers, and those evil workers are the concision. This is strong stuff. Not too strong, but strong. And the strength, we believe, comes at least in part from Paul's ongoing experience and his further realization. Therefore, now when he addressed the issues of the religious ordinances or divisive things or circumcision or religious workers, he would use words like dogs and concision. We, again, need to realize that this writing did not take place in a vacuum, but was the issue of an understanding and a realization that were wrought into Paul through very severe and trying experiences. Genuine ministry doesn't just come in a whimsical way. It is wrought into us through deep and profound experiences, and the words that are produced from those experiences are compelling and precious. That's what we have in these later epistles. They're a marvelous testimony of the last years of Paul's life, what he experienced and what he learned. Well, we've mentioned, Ron, many times that the book of Acts has become a new book. I think it's fair to say that in light of the foundation and what has been opened up in this life study that all of Paul's writings, in a sense, have taken on a kind of newness as we uh, we come to them. The things that have been opened up in the book of Acts are marvelous windows into these items that you've mentioned. It's It's incredible. It should be new. God is new. Christ is new. The Spirit is new. The divine life is new. If we're old, and if our reading of the Bible is old, and if we think we know these things, we're in danger. One characteristic of this ministry, 
as exemplified through the writings of Brother Nee and Brother Lee, was that there was always something fresh from the Word. Not an invented notion, but something new from the Word. So if we have a sense of newness, of freshness, of eagerness to reread the book of Acts in the light of this life study, that's a good sign that we are being impressed properly by the ministering spirit and that we're open to see something new and fresh from the Word of God. If we don't have such a newness, such an eagerness, then we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and pray for His mercy that His Word would become living and operative and new and fresh to us again as it should be and as it always was to Brother Lee. Ron, we have one short portion remaining in this life study as given by Witness Lee, and it's a very fitting conclusion. In the last few chapters, he told us, oh, today, no more sin offering. No more. Even you would go back to offer sin offering in the eyes of God, no more. Now, according to his unique will, this all-inclusive one is the unique offering. Today, in the entire universe, there's one offering that is according to God's will. God's will is to take away the past and set up the new. And the past includes all the Old Testament offerings. And the new is just Christ himself. Then he says, let's go out of the camp and bear the reproach. Paul was all the time bearing the reproach outside the camp. Outside Judaism, he was bearing the reproach. Yet, he magnified Christ. When he was on the voyage from Caesarea to Rome, he was outside of Judaism. Bearing reproach, bearing the bonds, the kind of reproach. Yet, he magnified Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope that you will spend more time to dwell upon this point, upon this wonderful witness, upon the thoroughness of these four books. Today, with these four books, not one inch ground would be left for any kind of a mixture. No more mixture, only Christ. Ron, you and I did a program a few days ago in which we covered many of the key elements of these four great epistles of Paul that Witness Lee referred to once again. So rather than repeat those points, I'd like to bring you to this one significant phrase that we heard him use from Hebrews 13, and that is regarding bearing the reproach of Christ outside the camp. It seems that in all we have seen of the Apostle Paul in these last dozen or so chapters, nothing quite captures the essence of his life quite as well as this phrase from Hebrews. Do you agree, Ron? I agree heartily. The camp mentioned in Hebrews 13 refers to human organization. According to the context, it refers to the organized religion of Judaism. That system and actually all religious systems, cannot contain the living, all-inclusive Christ. The Lord Jesus was slain for us outside the camp. Those who would experience and enjoy him, those who would be one with him, those who would be faithful to him, need to go forth unto him outside of the religious camp. 
When we do that, we surely enjoy the Lord, but we bear reproach. At the end of Acts, Paul was far, far away from the religious camp. When certain ones still in Judaism came to contact him, we see a striking contrast between those within the camp, Paul who was outside the camp, and a few chosen and blessed by God who were willing to go outside the camp. The Lord is not in traditional human organizations. The Lord is in another realm. Paul experienced Christ to the uttermost. He was an ambassador of Christ, but in Ephesians 6.20, he speaks of himself as an ambassador in a chain. The chain indicates he was outside the camp. He was suffering reproach. He was apparently being put to shame, but he was not put to shame because in that prison, in that chain, he magnified Christ. He glorified him. He expressed him. He was a living witness to him, but he never compromised with the religious camp. He went forth unto Christ Jesus outside the camp and to be faithful and to be honest. That's where we all need to go if we would be one with him and do the Father's will in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. Ron, I think that is uh, a very appropriate and fitting place to draw the life study of the book of Acts to a conclusion. Today, for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.